Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us on the Investec FinTech podcast. My name is Lyndon Sabroin. I'm the Global Head of Digital for Investec, and um, I'm joined today by Devin Coley, who's our co-head of the Investec Emerging Companies team here in the UK, as well as a very special guest, um, Norris Koppel, who is the founder and CEO of Manees. Um, an organization that we've had a three-year relationship with and have um, started to form quite a strong partnership with. Today we're going to be discussing the UK fintech ecosystem, and particularly collaboration between banks and fintechs. We're also going to get a view on the regulatory environment and what's allowed this growth um, in the UK. And we're particularly interested to get to know about Norris and his story um, and how he has built the organization that he has and what's prompted him to try and solve this problem. So guys, thank you for joining me today. Hi. Hi there. Okay, so let's kick off with a question for uh, both of you. Um, Devin and Norris, what does the FinTech ecosystem look like in the UK at the moment? I think at the moment it's come along, it's transformed quite significantly from what it was. I think it started as a disruptor to remittance as, a, as an early doors into 2010-11 and you had the rise of TransferWise and others. But I think it's transformed more to look at you know, beyond that payment technology with bank accounts, with open banking, it's moved on and the ecosystem's now covering insurance tech and the definition of financial technology I think has, has, has broadened significantly over the last five, six years, helped by regulation, by government, by funding, uh, by innovators, above all, and people like Norris. Yeah, I would uh, support it. I, uh, I think UK is incredibly active when it comes to uh, fintech and, and uh, now uh, banking and so on. Um, you know, from the startup perspective, uh, I think uh, UK is definitely the best place uh, to be. Uh, in uh, as, as a startup financial services startup and uh, you know the the amount of um, uh, investors uh, similar thinking uh, individuals uh, and and uh, founders it's it's uh, I don't think that you can really find this anyone uh, anywhere else in uh, on the planet really so Norris, other than funding what do you think is prompting this kind of hotbed of talent um, do you think there are particular problems that are being surfaced in the UK, or do you think it's the regulatory environment? Do you think it is just the fallout from 2008 that was felt so severely in the UK? What, what, what in your mind, is one of the triggers for it? I think UK has always been uh, a leader in financial services, and it's only natural that uh, here in the UK, uh, you know, a new, new evolution and revolution uh, is, is starting. And of course, with the support of FCA, which is uh, very open, and, and I understand uh, it's most forward-looking uh, regulator in the world right now. This is, a, I think, this is a natural place uh, for uh, for fintech innovation to start. But I think, yeah, I think you're quite. I think the geography of, of the UK aside. You've got a huge amount of human capital in one square mile. You've got insurance companies, forward-looking regulators, Norris says, with the sandbox and other things. You've got a plethora of insurance companies as well as service companies like lawyers and accountants all together. And I think that's what makes it a very, very positive environment. And then you compound that with all the funding that's been able to attract, and that's due to probably the capital market strength private and public of the UK. 
and all the banks are here, of course. Yes, I mean, above all, I guess. And you can, uh, within 15 minutes walking uh, radius, you can reach pretty much everyone. Yeah. Interesting. So, speaking about the investor landscape, Devin, you, you've recently set up, um, mm. along with your team, the uh, Investec Emerging Companies team, which is focused on investing into these fintech companies. Mm -hmm. What in particular are you looking for with this um, the growth in, in the number of fintechs in the city is probably more than you can handle at the moment. What is it that you're looking for when you meet companies? Yeah, so we, we look at investing at early stage, so late seed onwards, and we focus on fintech and enterprise software. And at the moment, I mean, you're right, the, the number of companies emerging is quite, is quite vast. We're seeing about 60 to 70 new companies a month that we're interacting with. So how do you manage all of that? How do you then think through... Who to, who to look for? I think the what in the last four or five years you've seen fintechs start with disrupting banks and traditional services, and now looking increasingly to partner and collaborate. Mm -hmm. So within that, you've got to think about in, from an investment perspective, who's solving a problem which has got a big enough addressable market. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first thing. Who's backable from a founder perspective? I think in terms of the individuals themselves, the experience and their their. Uh, I think philosophy on what they're trying to achieve, and I think the third, the third biggest point is it, which increasingly we're seeing money dragged or zeroing in on is user economics. It's all very well having a bigger, big enough addressable market. Have you got a business plan and a monetization plan to actually make money ultimately in the space? There's been a lot of noise about disruption and innovation, but can you yourself, as a fintech disrupting a multi-billion-pound bank, can you? Try and create something yourself, which will hopefully make millions at, at profit level. And I think that's where you've got to be quite tough, I guess, and quite filtering in your process about who's going to actually succeed and who's not. Okay. So you've touched on you've touched on fintech companies mm -hmm. shifting um, from just being pure competitors and, and trying to solve a problem in the market mm -hmm. to now looking at much more collaboration. Norris, this hasn't been a journey that my knees has gone down. You've been able to create real value without, without having to tap into the banks for partnerships. Is it something you see yourself going down, uh, a path that you see yourself going down in terms of collaborating with banks, or do you think that the problem you're trying to solve is not something they would ever look to join you in? Monish was very much um, is very much built on actually uh, bank uh, partnerships and the relationships. So, uh, what we tried to do is is uh, is pretty big. So, uh, in order to reach that scale, you can't do this alone. Uh, so Moniz very much uh, will see itself working with uh, uh, banks and, and uh, other financial institutions across the world in order to provide a good experience to uh, end, end users, of course. So uh, we have some relationships and partnerships already ongoing, uh, but as we, as we go and grow, uh, we're looking uh, to establish more and more uh, relationships. And this comes to not just uh, providing a platform and infrastructure and access to payment facilities in some jurisdictions, uh, it also so come down to offering credit, uh, all the other financial services that uh, customers expect, and um, it's uh, uh, it's it's a still a long journey ahead of us. But we we right now already have formed a, a meaningful amount of uh, bank uh, partnerships. Okay, so you know when I, when I hear most people talk about collaboration between fintechs and banks, um, most people tend to describe it as collaboration for the purposes of distribution and sales. So 
partnering with the banks in order to distribute your products and services. And actually what you're highlighting is that this is none of the fintech success would have been possible without partnering through the infrastructure and platform um, layer anyway. So it's something that has been happening for a long time and will continue to happen. So the the error that most people, myself included, um, keep making is when we think about collaboration, we always default to collaborating for the purposes of distribution of a fintech product into the client base. So um, thanks for clearing that up for us. So Norris, we've, we've heard about some of the challenges that come with Brexit in the UK, some of the funding challenges that Devon has raised for early stage companies. Um, we've also heard about some of the challenges around talent. What else do you see as a challenge that fintech companies will face in the near future? I think one of the key differentiators uh, is the fact that uh, in this very highly regulated environment, uh, you have to put in uh, a lot of time and uh, work and money uh, into building your product, acquire licenses, uh, get your teams together, and 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 actually almost you have to finalize a product before you can actually release it and and test it with actual human beings because if you're playing with customers money uh incredibly important not to lose that money uh for sure uh second aspect is also you because you're uh working in regulated environment it's incredibly important that uh you know criminal money doesn't enter the system uh you're not subject to money laundering and uh you know terrorists and everyone else trying to t take advantage of your um, um, uh, systems. So uh, I would say it's incredibly hard to spend, uh, you know, uh, half a year, year, two years, three years in a garage uh, building your product and burning money before you can actually test out whether your ideas and your approach actually works. And we have seen quite few failures in this space. People have uh, just ran out of money because they can actually re release something and test uh, the product. So I, I would say that's uh, that's one of the biggest hurdles. And really, you can be as tech heavy and tech focused as you like, uh, but if you can't test your product with actual human beings, then you know uh, it's it's much more challenging to. to uh, launch something in financial sector compared to let's say some sort of other uh, building another technology company where you can test almost immediately you can build your uh, MVP incredibly fast release it test it and see what works but doesn't it doesn't this rule doesn't apply uh, when you're building a fintech and I think on the funding point we've got some interesting numbers that we our teams put together which we've seen that despite Brexit and I think everyone's concerned about what we may or may not end up with in a year or two's time, but you know, t the, in the in the twelve months before Brexit, you know, the UK had about five hundred million of fintech funding. In the year after that, it was six hundred and twenty. In the two years up or the year just closing to June twenty eighteen, so two years after Brexit, it's been one point five billion. So you can see, despite the growth, despite the concerns politically, there's been nearly a tripling of funding. In, in, in for fintech startups and I think it's also been far more discerning in the sense that you know over 75% of that has gone to uh, you know 10 to 15 companies so it's now ch it's much more focused on the businesses which are starting to emerge as real real you know, high growth technology unicorns potentially in the, in the coming years already unicorns 
would you say that the funding has has uh, you know as an early stage company it's a little bit trickier now to to raise funding now? I think post a love I mean there's in the UK we have very nice tax regulations around the initial one million pounds or so that mm. a company can raise so what's deemed as we call it love money of family and friends so once that's over and before you get to the sort of larger check sizes of 15 20 million plus from the larger venture capital companies that gap between is I think a challenge where there's more um, demand for capital than there is supply and there's also a, ch- uh, a lack of quality investors you know that's an area we're looking at um, to invest in um, that's what we've done with for example with you at Monet's but I think that you know, we do see that as a as an opportunity, but I do think that is ultimately also a weakness for the system. That there needs to be more guys coming in, probably a little earlier, from a from a fund perspective, not relying on angel money. So, do you think? Do you think that that sort of concentration mm-hmm. um, will result in some maybe intended or unintended consequences, like um, the market starting to? Um, shrink um, or um, some kind of merger acquisition mm. activity starting to take place um, and as you're saying if we don't see more of the competition start to come up this this could feel like a bubble that has burst yeah I think it's going to be a little bit more forensic now on the num- on numbers and I think that you know I don't know there must be at least 20 challenger banks perceived challenger banks in the UK sprung up I mean I challenge whether there'll be 20 in three or four years time yeah. I think a lot of them sadly may fall by the wayside or get consolidated into but and some not necessarily for the right reasons because they just simply don't have the cash to sustain their acquisition costs on the other hand I think their businesses that are going very quickly and are starting to generate really positive user economics are a, a, arguably a threat to the larger banks and that's where there's positive I think uh, consolidation happening where the, the much larger bulge bracket or big players would like to get into new segments and look at opportunities to, to acquire large user bases. So Devin, along alongside what you're describing as an impact to um, the sector and potentially large-scale acquisition by the traditional banks and mm. large players in the market, what do you think some of the other direct impacts will be on traditional banking services as a result of this fintech growth? I think it would be more platform-based, and I think that's um, a, not a banks will specialise on areas and where there's areas that they don't touch or they don't necessarily have a specialty in, whether through acquisition or through integration, they will offer that service on the platform. And I think that is mutually beneficial to fintech and bank because it holds the customer ultimately for the bank in their in their in their arena. Though from though it makes platforms far more important so there'll be subsectors of specialty and I think that's to me going to be a big play out over the next few years and I think it's been driven also by regulation whether it's open banking and some of the GDPR and PST2 rules that are coming in across Europe um, which Brexit or no Brexit the UK will adopt I think that um, I think that will be to me the biggest driver platform based banking So Norris maybe a question for you we've We've heard a potential concern around Brexit. We've heard a potential concern around the financial constraints for new companies entering the market. Um, what do you think some of the other challenges are that fintechs will face um, in the next few years in this market? I think the biggest um, biggest problem actually is uh, getting attention uh, from the uh, consumer. 
I think it's a biggest challenge because uh, if you don't get enough attention, if you have to spend tons of money to acquire these customers, and the customers are then going to leave you and so on, then uh, you know it's it's difficult to gain traction this way. So I think the uh, the biggest uh, thing that you can uh, do as a company is just to work relentlessly on and getting customers laugh and, and get them on board and make sure that they talk about you to their friends and bring, bring new friends and then retain those customers and you can only do this if you truly provide 10 times better value uh, compared to what bank, uh, a customer can get uh, from an, another bank or another service provider so i think um, that's definitely one of the challenge and now the second challenge i think uh, what what devin also uh, briefly uh, talked about was the access to capital as well so i think uh, right now uh, especially younger firms who are trying to enter this uh, very crowded let's say let's call it very crowded fintech space i think the opportunities are uh, you know uh, smaller and it's uh, trickier to to get attention uh, so we are i think we we started as a munis we started right at a, at a very, in, in, a, in a great time when everything was sort of heating up and uh, right now along with uh, uh, other companies we are kind of on top of this fintech wave right now but I'm not sure how, how, how far, you know, if, if the other guys are coming after us what, what the wave is going to do to them basically so and in the wave, I think it, I think generally for all financial services companies, whether you're a fintech or a big bank, it's staying relevant to your client base. And I think how do you do that in a very increasingly competitive and um, platform-based banking style? How do you stay relevant? So looking at that through the lens of fintech is important. So someone like Norris, like eighty percent, am I right? It's up to eighty percent of people pay their salary into your into their Monet's account, so it's highly relevant for them. So you think about. For, for whether it's for asset investec or for 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 challenger banks in, in 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 the UK, how do they maintain that level of stickiness and relevance with their with their users? And I think that's really difficult. It's really difficult to maintain that. And how do you come up with something that truly is genuinely is different? Because right now, when as a customer, when you look at the big four, uh, big five UK banks, they all look pretty much the same, right? I mean, costs are the same and so on. So how, how does this new innovators come uh, come out and, and say, we're doing something quite unique, we're doing something different, and we are not providing exactly the same service as everyone else? I mean, ultimately, customers will vote with their feet. Uh, so uh, yeah, basically, winning customers and um, retaining those customers is one of the biggest challenges. I'm going to ask both of you what may feel like an awkward question. Um, Norris, what makes you continue working with Investec, with Devin and his team? What value are they adding that you find um, so unique that you're continuing this partnership? To be 100% uh, fair, I think I came in with fairly low expectations. <laughs> that, that, that I over-delivered. <laughs> but uh, but, uh, but uh, what I've uh, now learned over the past three years uh, working with Devin, it's, it's very clear that uh, Devin is incredibly passionate about uh, the industry and, and ensuring that uh, uh, Investec, Bank's, uh, Investec Bank is uh, able to collaborate with um, uh, guys like us, uh, uh, invest into, into fintech businesses and, and uh, uh, basically be one of the most innovative uh, uh, banks um, well let, let's call let's call it uh, UK mm -hmm. uh, so it's uh, it's it's been I've, I've been pleasantly surprised basically is the amount of uh, 
communication and uh, thinking with me and support that um, uh, I think Monis uh, has been getting uh, from uh, Devin and his team. It's it's actually uh, enormous and uh, and I didn't expect it as, as this at all. It's great. It sounds like a real partnership. Yeah, very much. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd echo the other way that you know when we first backed uh, Norris, you know. We believed in the concept, we believed in him and his team, but what they've achieved over the last few years has, has exceeded all of our expectations in terms of being able to to do that. Um, and, you know, I think that goes testimony to, to their, as I said, their laser focus and also to, I think, our ability to, to, to continue to back him is based on his performance. So now that we're at a level where the business is you know, growing 20% month on month, it's, 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 its revenue numbers are improving every day and you're looking at a margin and you, you, you're like, from where we were two years ago to where we are now is a remarkable, truly remarkable. So I think that's a testament to the team. So it's dedication. And I know there's been a lot of late nights and a lot of um, sacrifices made along the way, but I'm sure it'll be worth it in the end. Devin, we've heard a few times that the emerging companies teams and you in particular work with many. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So I think uh, the, the partnership between Investec and Monet is, is I think uh, multifaceted. So I think we started off with an investment in Monet um, and that's grown over time um, and we've backed Monet over two, three rounds of funding and that you know is an equity support for, for the company. I think as the business has grown we've seen how we can assist Monet's in other ways. Um, we're discussing obviously particular partnerships on the digital side, but over and beyond that, it's also seeing how we can help them from the advisory perspective as well. I think Norris and I have got a very good relationship. We speak um, more than probably his wife and my partner probably want in terms of like chatting away on various things. Um, uh, but in terms of the advisory perspective and helping get further f um, uh, partnerships and, and funders into the business. Um, as it continues to grow and I think that's testimony to also like what we're trying to do in the emerging companies business which is invest and advise fintech entrepreneurs as they grow their businesses and we do this you know in the UK and we focus particularly on I say the late seed stage but we don't just do this in the UK we do this in China in India in Australia and Southern Africa um, where we really are trying to become relevant and I think a partner to a lot of the, the fintech and wider technology um, entrepreneurs. Thank you everybody for joining us. That was um, Norris Koppel, who's the founder and CEO of Manise, and Devin Coley, our co-founder of the Investec Emerging Companies team here in the UK. It was a pleasure having you both on. With all of the changes happening in our ecosystem, um, I'm looking forward to the impact that both Manis and Investec will have in this landscape. Thank you all for joining us. I'm Lyndon Sabroin, signing off. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendation. Investec Specialist Bank, a division of Investec Bank Limited, is a registered credit provider.